Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Let's do it. Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. This is the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner, joined as always by Ron Kopp Jr. It has been a bit, but it's time to really dig into free agency. A pretty fun time of the year for Chiefs fans once it actually gets started. Uh, leading up to that, it's all speculation, but we'll try to have some fun with it today. Ron, how are you feeling about this stage of the offseason process? Yeah, I'm sure everyone listening is probably tired of me talking. Um, I'm I'm all over the podcast network right now. Draft room has been fun. You know, we're we're all me, Brian, and Talon getting into the draft. We're talking draft. We start draft talk too. We're going to be talking a lot of mock drafts on that show. And you know, you know, with draft room, we talk for agency. But I, I I'm excited for this show, Stags. First of all, I'll just talk to you again. Obviously, you haven't gotten your takes on the podcast network out there yet, but. Uh, also, just that I, I feel like we have it. We did a really good job of, uh, you know, structuring the show to really go through the entire process of free agency. Right. You know, not not really thinking too much about the draft, but actually what's coming up. March 14th is when it begins. We're still a few weeks out, but, you know, there's going to be decisions made in the next coming weeks that could, you know, franchise tag decisions, other things. So we're getting it all taken care of right now. I'm excited to get all into it. You bet. We've got a lot planned for this show. We're going to try to pack a lot into this hour. We're going to talk a little bit about the Chiefs free agents, uh, run down through the kind of our consensus decisions on those, maybe argue about a few of those. We'll talk about the roster needs and what positions we hope the Chiefs actually skip in free agency. And then the plan is to spend the whole second half of the show diving into some specific free agent names, guys that I know you guys have been talking about on Twitter and everywhere else in Chiefs Kingdom. We'll talk about some of those names and how we'd like to see the Chiefs address some of those positions of need. But just in in general, I think free agency is fun and interesting for a couple of reasons. You know, one, this team has shown that free agency is an important part of the process because you don't want to go into the draft with a bunch of glaring needs that telegraphs your position in the draft. And this team has done this every single year. They've made sure that you can't pinpoint exactly what they're going to do in the draft. Uh, and they do that by rounding out their team in free agency. It's almost never the way that we think it's going to go, but it's a great way for them to build, especially the bottom half of the roster and make a couple of quick splashes or big splashes uh, where they see fit. And we know that Brett Veach is going to attack this offseason the way he does every other one and and maybe – maybe even overcorrect in areas where they need some work. Yeah, we know that for sure. And that's why, you know, free agency is important because as you mentioned, you know, they, they don't, they, they want to use it. You know, no one should build through free agency, but you should usually utilize it. And it should be a big part of what you do. And a couple important parts of free agency, first of all, is when you're looking for guys, I mean, obviously the fit has to be paramount, right? They have to fit into your team. And so you always have to have that kind of awareness of, you know, especially as fans, as we're as we're kind of talking through which players are available, 
how do they fit into the offense? You know, we got to know what kind of receivers Andy Reid likes. I think, you know, people understand that he values maybe more speed and stuff than contested catchability, that kind of thing. But also on defense, Spagnolo, you know, you hear the Spags type of edges or, you know, what kind of safety he likes. Probably more versatility, right, than a guy that can just do maybe one thing as a safety. So fit's always important. And then also the guy has to play, you want to play here, right? I do think one thing we, that is a misconception almost at this point in the Mahomes era, or we thought maybe it was going to be more important than it is, you know, we thought maybe guys would want to come here just to play with Mahomes. He's the, the number one guy. He's the top quarterback. But there are other things that go into coming to play for such a good team. How much am I going to get the ball if I'm a receiver or just any sort of skill player? You know, you have to consider that on a, on a worse team. Maybe you get the ball more as, as one of these role player guys. You know, when you're talking about maybe signing, you know, big time guys or just role players, either one. Um, and I guess that could be the same set on defense. So fit is king stags. And, and also just the fact that when you're looking at free agents, you have to consider, you know, does it make sense for them? you know, from where the, their perspective, if they should, if they can fit into the offense or defense. So we're considering all that as we kind of go through this uh, free agency process, aren't we? Yeah. I think it's, it's about, there's a reason players are available in free agency. If there, if a player is a perfect player in every way and he, and he works in the system that he's working in and he's young and he's healthy, there's no reason why he's going to be a free agent. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. as you look at teams, Free agency is often about finding, and, and the draft too, after the first few picks, is about finding what a player can do and, and slotting him into a role on the team where that skill can help the team win games. And so you're not going to go out and find the perfect player in free agency, just like most of the draft, you're not going to find an elite perfect player. You're looking for somebody who can do the job that you need done in the way you need it done and fits in with the culture of your team. Uh, but I do think of all of those factors on why free agents are available, if you look at this year's class, maybe more than, than others, especially at the wide receiver position, a lot of it's related to health and injuries and recovering from injuries and when their availability is going to kick in. A lot of these guys are on the market because they haven't been able to stay healthy in their current teams. So it's a little bit of buyer beware on the health side as well. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, if you're the chiefs, you're at a, a different level of your, of, of thinking about those kind of options when you're comparing to like maybe a team more on the rise, a team, maybe not ready to contend right away, or just, you know, is willing to take a, a more long-term risk. The chiefs need players, you know, they're in the Super Bowl window now. And, you know, so I don't know if signing big, you know, assigning big money to a, a guy that's, you know, may not even impact you too much in 2022 you know, it was a good thing for the Chiefs specifically. Um, so I could see them kind of being out of the market on any player that's really dealing with an injury that could take out a chunk of their 2022. And also something I've noticed listening to and, and reading a lot of Chiefs coverage, there seems to be a consensus on a few things. We'll talk through team needs and what to do with some of the pending free agents, but some of it we're going to do pretty quickly because I think we all agree on certain things. And we'll dig into that in just a minute. But there's a reasonable consensus on what this team needs, what they need to do to improve, and and what players we hope don't return. Uh, so we're not going to spend a ton of time debating those topics, which we already know there's a pretty good consensus on. And there's also some assumptions that we're going to work with uh, based on those, uh, based on that consensus as we build our free agent priority list and we talk about who we'd like to see the Chiefs sign. There's one assumption that that may be out there. Uh, the cap space is going to be an issue. And a lot of people talk about 
you know, some teams being in the cap hell, the Chiefs being tight on the cap because of Mahomes' contract or, or whatever. We took a look at it, and I think everybody's done the same math. And I think the assumption we're going to go on for this podcast and, and just in general that we're all working on is the Chiefs have the cap space, can have the cap space to do whatever they decide to what they want to do in free agency. Yes. If they want to make a splash signing, they want to make two splash signings, they can do that. Uh, the math works out no matter how you slice it. They can be in that 40 to $60 million range of available cap space with a couple of pretty obvious moves that we all see coming. So there's not going to be a situation where they can't afford to keep Orlando Brown or they can't afford to go sign a top free agent. They can afford it if it makes sense for them to do it. And that doesn't make sense is what we should be spending our time talking about, not can they afford it. Yes, exactly. No, I'm glad you're emphasizing that. And if you guys want a little more detail on what they can do specifically, you know, hopefully you've already listened to the AP draft from this week. But we had Jared Sapp on, a great uh, writer for us, especially with cap stuff, man. He is he's awesome with that kind of stuff. He did a lot of detailing and that kind of stuff on the AP draft from this week. So make sure you go check that for a little more information on how they can free that up. But yeah, I think I'm glad you're emphasizing it, Stacks, because we're not. They shouldn't. They're not going to be handicapped by the the cap. And if they if they make that excuse, it was their own choosing to be handicapped by the cap, right? I think that's a good way to put it. Fair enough. Well, let's let's start diving into those some of those Chiefs free agents and talking about which ones we agree on or, or which ones we really need to 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 talk about. So first, let me just hit on some of the big name ones, and then maybe we can fly through some of the other ones that we all sort of have a consensus on. I'm going to start with Orlando Brown, both literally and figuratively the biggest free agent that they have to deal with. Um, he's a player that they they put a lot of investment into financially and draft capital and handed him the left tackle spot this last season. And I think whatever your expectations were of Orlando Brown Jr. coming into the 2021 season, I think he met those expectations. I don't know that he blew him out of the water, but I think there were concerns about him coming in, about him being able to work in this pass heavy offense and doing the things that the chiefs like to do. And there were times in the season when there were a couple question marks here and there, but for the most part, he played up to expectations. I don't think you could have reasonably expected him to do, do that much more this year than what he did. He's making a Pro Bowl appearance. He's you know on track. He's a young player with a, a long track ahead of him. So the consensus is that he's going to stay around, and the team has made that very, very clear that he's their left tackle in 2022. But I think most people want to put him on the franchise tag and say, let's let's make him prove it for another year. In my opinion, all that does is raise the price tag. He's he's proven you can you know what he is, you know what he can do, you know he's got some limitations, like most every player in the NFL, but he's a a good, solid, even Pro Bowl caliber left tackle, even if he's not all pro, you know, the, the best in the league. Um He's a guy that you've invested in. He's panned out to date. He's young and physical and fits the profile of what they want on, on the in the future of this offensive line. I think if you look at guys like Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey that they've invested in, the physicality that they want to bring, that's Orlando Brown. If you're going to, if you're not re-signing him, if you're not franchise tagging him and letting him walk, good luck finding another guy that could do what he does. And so 
Uh, to me, the uh, the only question is franchise tag or long-term deal. I want to go ahead and sign him to a long-term deal now. Invest the money in him. You've got everything else invested in him anyway. Mm-hmm. But that gives you the flexibility of a lower cap hit the first year, spreads out that commitment. If you franchise tag him, you're going to deal with this next year at an even higher price tag than yeah. what you're going to pay this year. So bite the bullet, pay the man, and start thinking about some other positions on this team rather than offensive line. Lock up your guy and, and let's go. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, real quick, it's just it's just about you, you mentioned age. You know, he's young. You just bet on him developing, and he's the kind of guy that looks like he's going to take it seriously to develop into a, a franchise left tackle. So I'm totally with you. But the big name, right, Stags, that – I mean, Orlando Brown's a huge name, but obviously maybe not as big a name as Tyron Matthew. The people want your take on – on because I've been pretty clear. I'm, I am I said it on, the pod, on, on a pod before, but, you know, it, I just feel like we're not – what teams want to give Tyron Matthew on the open market, I feel like the Chiefs are not going to want to match or be able to match with the other plans they may have this offseason. Um, so, Stags, what's your take on Tyron Matthew? Man, this is a tough one, and I've been on both sides of this uh, fence, and and I probably still am on both sides of the fence. So I'm going to do my best to, to explain that. But if you look at the safety room, and we'll talk about the Chiefs roster in just a minute, but if you look at the safety room without Tyron Matthew – there it's it's basically empty you've got Juan Thornhill who has had a very up and down career so far and we don't know yeah. he's a staple going forward as your number one guy and then nobody else if Tyron Matthews gone I mean we're, we're talking about Devin Key and Zane Anderson which is you know not not really where you want to build your cornerback or your, your safety room from so <laughs> uh the Chiefs need Tyron Matthew or a player like him of his caliber in that room they love what they've gotten from him. They love him as a person. He loves the team and the city and, and you know, where he's at. That all says you just pay the guy and have him stay, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of things that you could argue why he should stay. And I love Tyron Matthew as a player and as a person, and I think I think he's he's earned it. But the NFL is all about not paying for what you have done, but paying for what you're going to do in the future. And what does the future look like in terms of on-field production for Tyron Matthew is a little bit less certain. We know where he has fit in this team. We know that he was a big reason they won the Super Bowl. But is he going to be a reason that they win the next Super Bowl? Yeah. That is a little bit less clear. And and so you're right. Do I want to hand him another four- or five-year deal? I mean, at his age, absolutely not. Um but could you could you agree on a two or three year contract uh, that worked for both parties that maybe had a lot of incentives built into it, you know, for for team success and for his success? I think you could. I'd really like the team to to make it a concerted effort to sign him to a two to three year contract prior to free agency. And if they come to an agreement, then great. He'd be welcomed back with open arms. And I think that's a good outcome. If if he insists on, like he probably can and should and, and probably will insist on top safety money in his last paycheck, his last chance to cash in in his NFL career, then he should get paid more than that on the open market from somebody else other than Kansas City. And a lot, there's been a lot of things tying him to Baltimore and, and other places. So, yeah, I, I could see it each way here. I think I'd like to see them make an effort to re-sign him uh, but have a backup plan in case he gets paid more elsewhere. 
Yeah, that's that's this is a perfect example of why everyone it's so easy to say the NFL is a business is because it sure seems like it makes sense to just bring him back. Right. He wants to be here. You know, hey, he's a great part of the community, great part of the team. But it is a business. There are numbers that go into these things. There are reasons why it just doesn't work out sometimes. And it feel it just feels like that situation to me. So, yeah, so I'm again, glad, yeah, go ahead. Again, I think you can pay him if you want to. But do you want to at his age and, you know, somewhat declining production? Now, he's still amongst the league leaders at his position in, you know, turnovers forced and and, and other I – mean, he's still making plays, but he may not just be that dynamic popping off the screen player. You may not notice him as much as you'd like to notice him on the field. You sure notice it when he's not on the field, at least in his <laughs> last year. And so I can't remember if we made this point before, but I feel like he has become this crutch for the team that especially the secondary and probably the defense as a whole, they depend on him so much. They're an absolute mess without him. So if this is the off season that the chiefs are rebuilding their defense, then you go away from Matthew and you start from scratch. If this is an off season where they want to, you know, change out a couple pieces, but keep the defense intact, then you have to pay him. You have to bring him back. Okay, so Tyron Matthew, I think that's that's like you said, <laughs> it's cons- it's it's in- there. I don't know. <laughs> it's a consensus though that I you you got to the last point though that it is pretty much that he's probably not going to be chief in twenty twenty two. That's a consensus, right? And I think we agree. Did Another- I come to that? I'm not sure I came to that conclusion, but we'll we'll go with that. I, I think I think the consensus probably is that he gets paid more elsewhere. So I'll I'll agree to that consensus. If they're they want to keep him, but he'll hit the market and get paid more there. I guess, yeah, because my point is that like you're hoping that he's willing to take a short term deal. And that's you know, that's just that's more hope than you know, actual projection uh, in today's NFL. But another guy that is interesting right now, it's a big part of the team last four years in his rookie deal is Derek Noddy. Um, you think we should you should probably resign him? What do you think about Noddy's free agent status? You know, I, again, I like Derek Nadi as a player. He's another one that doesn't necessarily jump off the screen at you on a week-to-week basis, but he's been an important part, and he's been a solid player in the role that he's had. It's been a fairly limited role, and it was even more limited this year with Jaron Reed on the roster. They sort of split snaps in, in a lot of ways, right? So he's a guy that you don't want to pay $8, $10 million a year to, and if that's what he's going to command on the open market, then he should hit the open market and, and more power to him. Um, I think he's a player that they can that they can keep around on a cheap contract uh, unless he thinks he's going to make a lot more because you can replace his his role pretty reasonably in one of two ways. You can sign a cheap veteran. There are a lot of those veteran kind of nose tackle run stuffer guys with old man strength, right? That are out there on the on the street because they're not getting paid that much anymore because they're a one dimensional player or you can go in the draft in, in the third, fourth, fifth round and pick up a guy who, again, the draft community sees as a one-dimensional player who's a run stuffer that maybe can't get to the quarterback. There's a big guy out of Georgia that may go higher than that that a lot of people are talking about where he where he might stack up. And, you know, a player like that, if you see him as a one-dimensional player and he slips later into the draft, uh, then you, you've got a you've got somebody who could pretty easily replace Derek Nadi. So – I'd love to have him back on the cheap, uh, but not at eight or ten million or, or whatever he might command. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's going to be much market for him. There's a lot of good, there, not a lot, I should say, but there are some good defensive tackle options with all 
in today's NFL, you look for pass rush juice and Naughty just doesn't have it. So I, I agree with you. I'd resign him for cheap, which I think they're going to be able to. So, but real quick, we have other guys. There's obviously a bunch of Chiefs free agents, right? But I don't think these guys are worth as much discussion as those guys we just mentioned. You know, Jaron Reed sounds like he's pretty much out of Chiefs kingdom. Um, yep. make, chime in when you have any any notes on these. But you know, Jerick McKinnon might be a guy you ha- you have something on where you know let's let's just I, I think we agree let's re-sign him um, to a reasonable deal. But uh, I don't know what do you think about that possibility? I, I might be okay letting McKinnon walk. Um, he it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about how they have to keep him because he played well towards the end of the season. And he really did, but he's yeah. not the most durable player in the world. And running backs are fungible. You know, if you you can get a running back, you can plug a guy in, especially behind the offensive line that chiefs are building and have built. Uh, I don't feel like they need to, you know, be as concerned about keeping uh, a guy like McKinnon or uh, Daryl Williams uh, for that matter. I, I'm okay if they keep him around, but I think they could very easily be replaced. Uh, you can sign a, a cheap free agent. You can draft them mid to late in the draft or an undrafted free agent and replace that production. So I'm not concerned with keeping Jeremy McKinnon. If he, if he resigns, I won't lose any sleep over it, but if he walks, I won't either. Yeah, I think that's the right way to, to go about it. So, yeah, McKinnon, a guy there. Uh, Sorensen, Neiman, Marcus Robinson, Mike Hughes, yeah, all on. guys. Hold on. <laughs> Let's stop. Stop after those three. Sorensen, Neiman, Demarcus Robinson. I think this is a, a broad consensus, but I, I if any of those three guys are back on the roster, I think we're all upset and, and frustrated at that decision. These are these are three players that have been important death players that have eaten up a bajillion snaps over the last few years for this team. That nothing would make me happier in this offseason to see none of these guys back on the roster going forward and to see them actually make an effort to upgrade at those spots uh, would be super refreshing. I'm not sure that they're going to do it, but I would do everything in my power to stop them from re-signing any of those three players if, if I could. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I actually wanted to lump Hughes in there too, but the other three have been there for so long. But I yeah. think Hughes is in a very a similar category where I, I, I just you can find that depth that he provided elsewhere. He got burned yeah. a little too many times for me. So. I put Hughes in with uh, the guys after him on our list, like Alex Okafor, who, you know, they're veteran, you know, plug-in players that if you don't have anybody better, sure, give, give them another shot. Uh, but I I think, again, ideally you've got more of a building block at those positions. Mike Hughes was a reclamation project that worked for two weeks out of the season and didn't work for, for probably eight or 10 other weeks. So, uh, I, I'd, I'd be okay not inviting Hughes or Okafor back, uh, but they don't have the same, like, they just don't have the same feeling. They don't invoke the same emotion in me as Sorensen, Neiman, and Robinson. You know, those those three guys I really want to see off of this roster. Hughes, if he comes back, yeah, whatever. Just don't, don't put him on the field too much. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would definitely choose to let him walk if I could along with uh, Alex Okafor. So, yeah, other insignificant, you know, more insignificant, I should say, options. You know, Dorian O'Daniel, um, Armani Watts, Austin Blythe, Michael Burden are all free agents. Stags, do you, we've always been DOD guys. Is there any reason to maybe try to replenish his role with this, with him again? You know, I, I it's tough to give up on O'Daniel just because you've seen these tiny little glimpses, just enough to give you some hope for him. The fact that they've never really let him play defense 
probably means that he can walk, but he is a really good special teams player. So, you know, if you give him one of those vet minimum contracts uh, and he comes back and plays special teams again, I'm not going to feel bad about it. Uh, but definitely I think Armani Watts uh, is a guy they could upgrade over uh, and and because they're going to need safety help. They don't need O'Daniel in that linebacker room as much as they, they need somebody in the safety room. So I think upgrading over Watts makes more sense. Um, and, yeah, again, continue to go down the list unless you have something on those guys. Well, speaking of linebackers, I do think one cons- – we're talking about consensus, right? I do think one guy that I think a lot of people just assume he's not on the team anymore is Anthony Hitchens. He is under contract for 2022, um, but cutting him does save about $8 million. We talked about that on la- yesterday's pod. But your take, Stags, uh, should, should that just be an automatic thing? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a – that's one where I'm fully willing to go with the crowd. I don't see any logical reason to bring him back on that contract or any other contract. He, you know, he's been a valuable part of the team, but uh, not that valuable. And and they've got the future at linebacker uh, cemented with two really exciting young players. And I think they need to to let those guys take it and run with it. So Mel, so we're going to talk about a few more guys that we may not agree with as much. Um, I do think Melvin Ingram, the edge rusher, obviously the veteran edge rusher. I think we actually do agree on more than than maybe originally thought just because, yeah, you know, I, and I know you're going to have a take on this, but, you know, I just think he's going to get over, you know, priced out of Kansas City. I feel like teams are going to overspend for what he did the second half of the year, even though he is 33, 34 years old. But uh, Staggs, you know, I, I'm kind of just I, I I'm almost on my head. He's he's out of the building right now, which I, I that it's, it's it's bad of me. I shouldn't assume that um, right now because. I want you to get into maybe how maybe Melvin Ingram could still be in, in Kansas city next year. So, yeah, there's this narrative about Ingram that he's definitely going to wait as long as he can to sign with a team. And so um, I think a logical, if that were true, which I, I don't know where that comes from other than the fact that he waited a long time this past year, but if that were true, you can't build your offseason plan around a guy like that. You need to proceed as if he's out of the room. And then if you get him back at some point, great. Um, you said you think he might price himself out of the market. I'm not so sure uh, that that's the case. Uh, there hasn't been a dramatic, a big market for his services uh, this last season. Uh, you know, the the Steelers somehow, you know, they, they got him in free agency over the Chiefs and other team and, a, and one other team, right? Didn't have to pay him that much, and then decided midseason that they were okay letting him go to a, a, another AFC contender. And for a six-round pick, that doesn't scream to me a guy that has a huge market. And while he was a big part of what the Chiefs did, I'm not sure that that everyone else sees him as all of a sudden his career is revitalized. It just seems like sometimes you have a guy that comes in that's a spark at the right time for that team and is a fit for that team. I honestly think he may have more value here in Kansas City than he has to other teams on the market. I, I think he's a guy that you definitely definitely offer a contract to right away. And if he says he wants to wait, you proceed as if he's gone and and uh, uh, leave that deal on the table. But it's going to be interesting. You know, I can't really talk about Melvin Ingram without talking about Frank Clark. Because in my head, Frank Clark is not necessarily a done deal that he's gone. I think there might be ways that they could figure out how to keep him around. But – I think you need one or the other on your squad or you're starting from scratch because there is nothing else. Uh, again, you've got some guys, but that position's in dire straits. If both of those guys are gone, 
going into free agency in the draft, uh, if you have one or the other of those guys still on your roster, then you can add some other pieces. Maybe you add a, a veteran in free agency and a guy in the draft, and then you've got something. You're not starting from, from zero unless both of those guys walk. So to me, it's almost a one or the other. If, if, if they let Clark go right away, if that's the first move they make is just cut Frank Clark outright, then I think they try to keep Melvin Ingram in-house so that they have at least something to build around uh, and vice versa. If they keep Frank Clark in-house, then they probably let Ingram test the market and, and proceed as if he's gone. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do think so. I think you could see them both on the team. I think that's possible. I think you could see one of the two on the team, but I don't think it would probably be a failure if they had none on the team, uh, zero out of two on the team by training camp. Um, just because, you, like you said, it's just so bare after them. They need some sort of veteran in there, and it could be someone off the street, but why not have one of those veterans be a guy that's been here, obviously, even though Ingram was only half a year. Yeah, so. we get excited about free agency because you see these names that are available and you say, all right, this guy can 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 help my team, right? This guy is a name I've heard of. And, and that's what a lot of it is for fans. I think sometimes is name recognition, you know, but if you actually sat down and graded those players like a lot of outlets do, a free agent Frank Clark is pretty pretty high on the list of edge rushers probably that, that teams are going to invest in. A free agent Melvin Ingram is on most people's list of top free agents. And, and so, you know, the grass may not always be greener. They may say, Maybe they want to start over, but if they don't want to start over, they may find that there's not a lot of better options than, than keeping at least one of those guys in-house. Exactly. No, it, it is kind of a weird class for defensive line free agents. A lot of older guys, which both of these guys kind of fit that category anyway. So it'll be interesting. Another defender I want to get your take on because in my eyes, I don't see why Traverius Ward is in Kansas City in 2022. I just feel like He's hitting the free agent market at a good time. Some team's going to give him a multi-year deal, whether it be three or four years. Even if it's not top cornerback money, I do feel like he's proven enough as a starting cornerback on a decent defense that's went to the Super Bowl a couple times that he should be a starting cornerback in this league and be paid like it. So, But, you yeah. know, we don't I'm know that for sure, Sags, do we? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that he's a known commodity outside of Kansas City, and I, I think he's he's probably considered just a guy for the most part. He could, I could easily see his career path being like Rashad Breland's, where you know he's a a physical corner, somebody that fits in a system and does okay. But then when he hits the market, he finds that you know nobody's willing to commit to him long term. He might be on a string of one year deals from here on out uh, if he tests free agency. So I'd be willing to re-sign him if it's if it's cheap, uh, if he doesn't have a market. So he he really does feel like a player that you let him test the market, see what's out there maybe in that tampering period or, or whatever uh, and let his agents go out and see what's out there. And then if the market doesn't develop for him, obviously you'd welcome him back on a, on another reasonable contract. If, if you can get him. You have a similar take, I think probably on Byron Pringle because Pringle is an interesting one, right? He's a guy mm -hmm. that, you know, played a big role in the offense, but obviously I think everyone understands that you, you, you might want to upgrade a little bit from that, right? You don't want to settle for Byron Pringle being your wide receiver too, even if he is serviceable, even if he does make plays. Um, so I don't know. It makes it kind of a tricky question when you're talking about whether he he wants to come back, whether the team wants him back. Stags, what would you think about Byron Pringle still being uh, or getting resigned? Oh, I, I may be in the minority on this, but I think I think resigning Byron Pringle is probably a priority for this team, and 
And it's not that I, I think that all of a sudden he's the answer at the second wide receiver, but I think his role in the team is important enough and he's developed enough into that role that what I want to see is him be the floor for the receivers going forward. And what I mean by that is who's been the floor of the receivers in the, in the past couple of years. It's been, is it Demarcus Robinson? Is it Marcus Kemp? Is it Josh Gordon? You know, if you raise the floor with a guy like Byron Pringle, you can raise the ceiling with a big name in free agency or a relatively early draft pick. But I, I like Byron Pringle as that, you know, third or fourth receiver, special teamer, you know, kick returner um, with a guy that, that still has some, some upside. Um, if we get our wish and Demarcus Robinson is not on that team, then you get a guy like Pringle to stay in house, to do the dirty work, to block, to do all the different things that you want from them. And you build the receiving core up from there as opposed to, to relying on him as a, as, as the, the, the second or third receiver. Yeah, I, I do think there could be some potential for another team uh, wanting to promise him more opportunity and him wanting to maybe even take that, you know, even if it is a worse team, uh, a lower level team, you know, players want to have the ball in their hands, right? They, you know, and, and Byron, you know, if the Chiefs run their offseason right, they could have a few receivers over him. And all of a sudden, like you just mentioned, he's back to just being that special teams guy. That's a really good role. But, you know, maybe he wants to get paid for, you know, to, to match production of being a wide receiver two or three. So, yeah, but that's this, the thing. Maybe there's not the market for him, right? This receiver class is loaded. So, yeah, this goes back to your early point of this is a two way street in free agency. It's not just, hey, they want to keep Byron Pringle around because they like him. Byron Pringle may want to go test the market elsewhere he may want to see if he can be a wide receiver two or a one in the future um and, and maybe he he doesn't see a path to that in kansas city so he's not going to be interested in re-signing a, a cheap contract here or maybe byron pringle's pretty content we're in the role he's in and he likes his teammates and he thinks yeah. he can he can have carve out that 500 yards a year you know and and win some championships here and he wants to stick around so we'll see where byron pringle's head is on that um, I think if I'm the Chiefs, I want to keep him around. Uh, we'll see if he uh, feels the same. So one more thing before we, we get into some more stuff. Uh, you know, we talk about the offensive line a little bit. You know, do we need to think about that before free agency? Now, Lucas Niang, you know, we do have to consider, you know, I, I like him as an option as a starting right tackle for the future, but he does have a little bit of an injury history all of a sudden. You know, he had the hip injury coming out of college. Now he had the patella tendon. But, you know, roughly, you know, maybe he might be back by the training camp, honestly. I mean, it happened in December. Um, you know, it's a six to eight month maybe recovery process, something around that. But, you know, do they need to think about getting a guy that can start at right tackle from day one um, this offseason? That would obviously be in, in free agency more than the draft stags. What do you think about that? Or if Niang should even be considered like already in stone, the long term right tackle? Yeah, I'm definitely on the leaning towards the side that, this offensive line overhaul, you know, Lucas Niang is a part of that, that they've got their starting five with Niang, assuming he's healthy. Now, obviously, we don't know the prognosis uh, or his timeline, uh, as you mentioned. So if the team feels like he's going to be ready for the start of the season, in my opinion, he's the right tackle. And they've got their offensive line, their starting offensive line set. Now, you want to have some good insurance for him. And maybe that's in-house. Maybe that's a, a cheap free agent. But I think Lucas Niang is the guy, and they should they should proceed as if. I've seen a lot of mocks and other 
uh, speculation saying, oh, the Chiefs should go draft a, a right tackle in the first couple rounds of the draft. Um, I feel like that's not the direction they're going to go, and I think that's unnecessary. I think they should draft an offensive lineman in the mid to late rounds, but I think it's not to replace Niang. It's, it'd be more for insurance and depth. Good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's, and it's good to get your t- takes on all the Chiefs free agent stags. We all need to know what's going on in stags head about the off season <laughs> process. So Cause, cause no, that's I, super I, important. Yeah. Yeah. I think we hit on, I, we, we did hit on everyone we wanted to, but now we're going to talk a little more after the break on, uh, on things uh, in terms of kind of the overall picture now that we've made all those decisions on what to look for moving forward. So we'll catch it up uh, right after that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Auto Structure Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Matt Stagner, Ron Cobb Jr. Digging into the Chiefs free agency uh, decisions and the potential players that they could add and subtract in this uh, offseason that could make a difference, get this team back to the Super Bowl like where they belong. So we just, Ron, we just went down the list of Chiefs free agents and completely solved all of those uh, questions. There's no (laughs) outstanding questions left. We know exactly what the Chiefs are doing with each one of their pending free agents, right? (laughs) Yeah, the sarcasm in your voice is is, uh, pretty easy to (laughs) catch up on. No, it's so hard to make these decisions in stone. We try to on a pod form, but Man, we we have no idea what's going to happen, but we're gonna we're gonna talk like we do, Stags, because that's what we do on this podcast. All right, so I've seen some talk and some panic out of some Chiefs fans and Chiefs uh, uh, blogs and others where they're looking at this roster and they're saying, "Man, with all of these pending free agents, there is a massive issue that there's so many holes on this roster that there's no way they can fill them all in one off season, and all of a sudden they're in trouble." Where do you think the roster is overall, Ron? Given what we just decided, let's just say, you know, we just talked about a bunch of guys. They're not going to bring back a handful of guys that they probably will. Um, How do you feel about the Chiefs roster overall? So I think they've set them up to be kind of what the modern NFL should be in terms of roster building, in my opinion, at least, which is you're going to build around your offense. Obviously it's an offensive league. You're you need to be good on offense. You, You don't see a lot of teams winning Super Bowls that aren't good on offense. They can get close, but, but yeah, so they set themselves up to have the quarterback. Obviously they have weapons around him, even if they're getting a little older and you need to keep supplying those weapons. But my main thing is that the core of this team is offense. They are an offensive juggernaut. So on the other side of the ball, I think it's fair. And I think there, we might be setting up to do this where you, you know, rotate around or rehaul the, the defense more than maybe, you know, it might feel comfortable doing. Maybe it doesn't feel good letting go of the veteran leadership like Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and, and other guys, you know, Anthony Hitchens, maybe it feels kind of uneasy, right? But defense is so volatile anyway, guys. I mean, look at the 2021 season, the chiefs defense at one point looked like literally the worst the NFL has ever seen. And then at one point was one of the best. So 
it it, it does kind of just show you, in, in, in my opinion, that defense is very volatile. It's not necessarily up to how good they're doing. It, it's honestly more on how well of offenses they're playing, right? If you play really good offenses all year, you're going to have a worse season than if you get an easier schedule. Maybe you just get lucky with injuries at a quarterback, that kind of thing. So I'm down with – I think they've set themselves up to, and, and I agree with them too, rehaul the defense over and over as, as much as you can. Obviously, I'm not saying every year, but we saw this two- or three-year window work with this defense. It might be time to rehaul it. But keep that offensive core. Keep that offense stable, even if the defense – we might be seeing a, a more transition period than we want to see this offseason. A lot of maybe more younger players, not as many you know high-profile guys. But as long as the offense is intact, I'm fine with maybe the defense being a little more recycled stacks. Yeah, maybe there's a three-year cycle on defense. The other thing about defenses, and, and I feel this way more than I, I feel it about offenses, but defenses get old quick. Yeah. And and you get exposed when you're when you're when some of your key defensive players are old. And not that the Chiefs have the oldest defense in the league, but the guys that they're considering moving on from, you know, they're most of them are on the wrong side of 30 or or around there, right? Yeah. So it is you build around youth and speed and athleticism on defense uh, and, and your offense, you know, is a, is a different animal. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you on that. I, I think they can, they can think about this defense as, you know, they had their three year run. This is the way it was composed that, that helped them get this thing, you know, get this chiefs team to the next level. And now they need fresh voices in there, fresh leadership, fresh legs. And and it's time to to revamp the defense. And I think that's fair because if I, when I look at the depth chart going forward, the holes in it are on defense. the The offensive depth chart is pretty well exactly pretty well uh, established, at least from a starting perspective. They can cycle their depth a little bit, but there's there's some big questions on defense if they let some of these guys walk that we think are going to walk. Yeah, exactly. And and I think, you know, one thing with the defensive side of the ball, too, is is that they're it's not just the top end guys that they need to replenish. Right. There's there's certain depth pieces or certain rotational pieces. You know, Spags always likes to use the third safety a lot, which a lot of teams don't use a third safety as much. Uh, you know, the, he likes to have different kinds of linebackers, you know, not just use his two starting linebackers all the time. You know, he he's used he uses up to four because Neiman is separate from the base packages. So I, I know you want to talk about it, but depth. As, man, as, as just as important, right? Oh man, I'm I'm boiling on this point, and I know I, I said it earlier when we talked about what free agents I'd like to see uh, them walk. But in a lot of ways, the depth on this team is just not working anymore. And I say that really specifically because when you look at the the Chiefs team when they won the Super Bowl, when they when they were uh, this high flying offense, and, and they had an opportunistic defense, some of these role players we're making big plays in key moments. You had Dan Sorensen making the stop against Houston and making interceptions to close out games. You had Ben Neiman getting to the passer, you know, on, on a blitz package or, or making a key pass breakup. You had some of these players who you otherwise weren't crazy about, but they're role players. They had a role. And when it was there, when their number was called, they stepped up and, and made plays and, and made a difference when it mattered. And I feel like, They've gotten to the point this year where that's just not happening anymore or it's not happening on a consistent enough basis. So what I'd really want to see them do is upgrade the depth of this team. They can make a splash or two, but what I'd really like to see is them take all of those players that are you know the second half of the roster that 
have gotten very few, I'm sorry, they've gotten a lot of snaps, but have made very few plays over the last couple of years. I'd like to see them try to upgrade at all of those roles this off season. And then all of a sudden, if you start getting contributions from down the roster, then, then you've got something because you still have the core of stars that you're building around. So it's really that the depth to me hasn't worked as well as you need it to recently. And again, free agency is a great time to fill in some of those very specific roles with guys that you probably haven't heard of that are going to command, you know, eight figure contracts, but you can get somebody in at a reasonable price, maybe a veteran minimum, maybe more, but at a reasonable cost that can fill that role and inject some new life into the depth of this team. Cause again, it's, it's, it's just not working the way that it should. Yeah. We highlight the defense kind of when we talk about that depth. Uh, but, you know, it also is true of the receivers. I think we've kind of said, hey, Mahomes is Mahomes. He's so good. He should elevate the level of these receivers. And guys like Byron Pringle are kind of examples of that happening, maybe. Um, but at the same time, we've seen the receivers, the depth of the receivers cost this team at times, not being able to get open by themselves, not being talented enough, like a guy like Sammy Watkins was at times. So, yeah, I, I think receivers, uh, you know, it, it's part of the conversation, too. Receiver might be one where – they still need they, – they've been trying to win with depth and they and they haven't had enough starters, right? So yeah. I think McCole Hardman has become a very valuable role player and I think he's evolved into that role and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next year. But he's not a frontline starter. And Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, those guys haven't been those starters. So they, to me they've had depth at wide receiver but not starters and, and that's, that's come back to bite them. So that's one position I'd like to see them add a starter – uh, but uh, other positions I'd really like to see them focus on on the depth. Yeah, so that's a good transition point to maybe where we want to talk about which positions maybe the Chiefs will take a big swing on, which ones make sense in free agency that we might see a huge name, a really, you know, where we all get excited. We're dra- we're breaking down an emergency draft pod or emergency podcast about it. And so let's start at the receiver position, actually, because it is a loaded group. It is a group that we see a lot of big names that obviously some impacted by injury, which really sucks. but. Um, you know, I'm gonna go first real quick, then I'll throw it to you. But, you know, I, I don't this guy may not be the guy in terms of, you know, anybody in the class. If I just had to choose a name I'd like but I do think for what he will sign for and what his what his role is with the Chiefs, potentially, I think this the signing actually make might make the most sense. And that's Juju Smith Schuster, the former Steelers receiver. Um, I You know, he's, he's very young, still 25 or 26 years old. Obviously, the former second round pick. He's made a lot of plays in the NFL so far in his career benefited from having a B on his team at first, you know, that, that, op- that wide open offense in Pittsburgh, obviously they, they've had big Ben the last few years. And that's obviously, you know, halted their pass offense to an extent. But my thing with Juju is last year, he chiefs obviously pursued him, but last year he signed for a pretty cheap deal, about two year deal. Uh, not, you know, not that much money. And then he got hurt this year and didn't really play that much. It was a shoulder injury, uh, you know, played the first four or five games and, end of the season playing too so he's healthy again so he's it's not an injury existing now so i just don't see especially with among other top receivers i don't see him signing for much and that makes me think it, it it's the best of both worlds you get a player that i really think could be the starting wide receiver too much better than what they've had since sammy watkins much much better in my opinion be a playmaker and you don't have to spend top top money but at the same time hey he, he could also be on the market because of that um any juju takes stags, and then I also I know you got other guys, other guys you're thinking about in this class. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right that we should start with wide receiver. When we talk about positions that this team is going to throw some money at and throw some resources at, last year Brett Veach tried to get every good wide receiver that hit the market, struck out on most of them. Uh, but Juju, Odell Beckham, like there's a lot of guys that, that the Chiefs had their sights on last year that they'll have another shot at this year. And if there's one thing that Brett Veach tends to do, it does seem like when he gets his eyes set on somebody, right? Even if it's a couple of years down the road, he's still going to be looking at that same player. Uh, it, you know, if if circumstances haven't changed around him, so I fully expect them to pursue Juju Smith-Schuster. There was that report out there that he was interested in coming to Kansas City. Yeah, whether yeah. that's true or not, who knows? But that is probably, I'd say you're right. That may be the marriage that makes the most sense from wide receiver. I think wide receivers probably number one or number two in positions that they're going to throw assets at. Yeah. I would love to see, I'd be fine with Juju. I would love to see Allen Robinson in Kansas city. I think he's one of those, he's a well-rounded player that can put up some big plays for you. And I think the thing, the only thing I I would hesitate on with Juju Smith-Schuster is the fact that he seems to be a possession receiver at this point in his career. Uh, He's a chain mover, but is he a get is he get down the field, you know, big play guy when you need one? I'm not sure about that. Robinson is the complete package when he's healthy and engaged in the offense and has a decent quarterback throwing him the ball the ball. And I think all of those things can come together in Kansas City and make Robinson a, a thousand yard receiver along with, with Hill and Kelsey. Um that I don't know that I could say the same thing about Juju. Yeah, Robinson, you're paying more because he's worth more, right? You know, Juju's not going to get paid what Robinson is. You know, The Athletic had a good article kind of recapping stuff and and kind of, you know, saying maybe where guys like Al Robinson could go money-wise. And, you know, it, it's going to cost closer to $20 million, right? A guy like Kenny Galladay um, last year, who was a little younger, obviously, but a similar type of player, landed $18 million per year. So, you know, if, if Juju, I think, is going to be closer to 10, if not maybe even a little less than that, potentially, while Robinson's closer to 20, which, you know, at the same time, you pay for that. Because I do think, like you said, Robinson's the all-around guy. Robinson's going to be anything you ask him to do, he's going to be able to do. And we are, But we already agreed that this Chiefs team can get money, make money available if they want it. Oh, yeah. If they want to pay $20 million a year for a receiver, they can do that. Absolutely. I'm not sure if they will yeah. or not, but – if they decide he's the guy, they can get in a bidding. They can get into bidding wars just as well as anybody else can. And you know that they they've done it before. I mean, they paid Sammy Watkins more than anybody else was going to pay Sammy Watkins when he first came to Kansas City. Yeah, exactly. And Robinson's a one top tier guy in this class. That's not freaking dealing with injury because uh, guys yeah. like Michael Gallup is is exciting, but he's dealing with a torn ACL from Week 18. DJ Chark actually is is a guy that's healthy and. I mean, he broke his ankle this this in week four, I think I want to say. So yeah. I guess not super healthy, but healthier. Yeah, um, you know, because Chris Godwin also another guy that's got hurt. But yeah, any takes I, on DJ Chark? I love the ability of all of those guys, Gallup, Chark, uh, and and uh, Godwin. Uh, I think any one of those guys could be a number one receiver. They have that ability. Uh, but the injury concerns, as we mentioned earlier, that's why these guys are on the market, and yeah. I'm just not sure that you can rely on them and. You know, again, I don't know what the depth chart after them would look like if the if the Chiefs brought him in, but we saw what happened when the Chiefs had Sammy Watkins and then Sammy was out. They they really struggled to replace him, and so if they get a new Sammy in one of these other guys, I think I'd like to see them have somebody who's going to be on the field. And so, 
Uh, yeah. I, I'd spend the money for Robinson if that's going to be an option. Uh, if not, uh, then yeah, Juju is a pretty, pretty decent fit. Uh, yeah. the, maybe we should move on to the next position though, because yeah. I really think they're going to spend big resources on edge this year. Uh, this team, this defense, hell, the, the whole NFL only works when they have a pass rush and when they get to the quarterback and they close the deal. This team in this last season were decent at getting pressure and terrible at getting sacks. And that came back to bite them in the playoffs. And you saw the Rams in the Super Bowl with pass rushers up and down their roster. Uh, when they needed to close that game out, when they wanted to win the Super Bowl, they had everything lined up. They sent Aaron Donald, and and basically he decided he was going to win that game for him. right? It wasn't just Aaron Donald, but it was they had a number of pass rushers there that they were able to close that game out with a pass rush. And when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl – Frank Clark closed out every game with a sack, it seemed like, on that playoff run. So they've got to upgrade the pass rush. There's some intriguing options out there in free agency. Uh, who's your guy at, at edge? Well, that's the thing with this year's edge class. It is kind of weird. Um, it is weird that there, there's a lot of old guys, right? There's fun names. There's exciting names. You talk about Jason Pierre-Paul, Calias Campbell, you know, guys like Ndamukong Sue is in there, even though he's more of an interior defensive lineman, obviously. But just defensive linemen in general, there are names. You know, Von Miller's obviously out there as an edge player, someone that we've all we all know has has kind of you know talked good about Mahomes. Maybe you know he'd want to come play with him too. He just won a ring, obviously. Uh, but you know, that's the thing. I I don't like any signing guys that old to any big deal. So I don't know if edge is the position I'd take a huge swing on necessarily. You know, Emmanuel Ogba, you know, you, there could be a reunion there. I do like the, the thought of that, although I feel like he could still demand quite a bit. But we have the money to work with a little bit, like we've already talked about. Jadavion Clowney is another name, too, that I do feel like, you know, maybe for a cheap deal could just be that solid option, you know, really good against the run, kind of that veteran that, that fills in, you know, each snaps up. But before I send it back to you, just one low-key option that, uh, you know, I, I think could be fun, a former Raiders, drafted by the Raiders, but edge rusher Arden Key, He's been with the Niners, or he was with the Niners last year. Found a nice little role with them. He was kind of a projected first-round pick when he was first coming out. He has the he ha, he had really, really impressive Ben coming out of LSU. Um, you know, could just be that that kind of we all thought what Taco Charlton maybe could be last year. Arden Key could be that veteran situational edge rusher um, that could really be worth something. But I don't think he's going to be signed for much. So that could just be a low-key name to think about. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I like Arden Key. Um... You mentioned some of the older guys on the on the market. I think the Chiefs could very easily, again, depending on what they do with their own free agents, they could very easily add a, a veteran rental, you know, a Von Miller on a one-year deal I think would be awesome if they had other guys on the roster to, that they can depend on longer term right. and a first-round pick, you know, in, in the draft. I think you double up. If you let Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram walk, you need three edge rushers. One of those can be an old, you know, an old guy in free agency, and maybe a, a, another younger player and a, and a draft pick or two. You need a lot of bodies there. If all of these players leave in free agency, uh, I think they take a swing at, at, at a big at a big deal at edge again, and maybe that's a trade for a guy like Josh Allen from Jacksonville. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, maybe it's maybe they go and go ahead and pay Chandler Jones. He's a guy that has been written off a couple times in his career. He's getting up there in years, but he is still uber productive 
and and you know a veteran that you can build around. Um, so if they let Frank Clark walk and Melvin Ingram walk, I could see them being a player at the top end of the edge market, uh, even if they have to overpay for somebody. Um, and then again, you could add one of those low end rentals if you needed it. Yeah, you know, I do think of maybe a middle class option that, uh, you know, I saw the athletic kind of highlight as a top 50 free agent, maybe Derek Barnett, the former Tennessee volunteer. He's been on the Eagles. Um, he's he's kind of he kind of fits what Spags likes. And, you know, he's a bigger edge. Um, he, he hasn't really been productive necessarily, so he probably wouldn't demand as much money. But another interesting option, which I want to get your take on, is Hassan Reddick. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of versatile, right? He's not necessarily just an edge guy, um, but he would I think he's going to demand quite a bit of money. But is there a way the Chiefs kind of justify paying a guy that could play maybe a little not a traditional edge, maybe, but just a good defensive player, I feel like. Yeah, I've always liked Hassan Reddick ever since he came out of the draft. I think he's a player that's that's got some some dynamic uh, ability. And, yeah, you could use him as a chess piece. He's probably a better fit in a 3-4 defense, but I think if you got creative with him, yeah, having a having a real pass rusher that can play the Sam linebacker would be awesome in this defense. Uh, the, the Spagnolo defenses in their heyday always had a guy at that Sam position. Uh, they could get after it, and and I think this would be a player that could do that and play some edge. The NASCAR package and, and other packages would be fun with with a guy like Hassan Reddick, even if he doesn't have the size of a traditional Spags edge. Spags has shown an ability to to compromise on that. I think the the narrative has been set that he only likes big, long defensive right. ends, uh, but you got Mike Dana, you've got Melvin Ingram. Those guys aren't the biggest uh, uh, or the you know the tallest guys yeah. uh, in the league. So so maybe there is some flexibility to 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 bring in a more versatile player like Reddick. So another position on the defense, we talk about edge. You know, you being able to spend on spend money on. I mean, we're all willing to spend you know money on cornerback. We'll see if Brett Veach is willing to too. But I think just defensive back in general. We talk about Tyron maybe moving on, right? I mean, just any safety or cornerback could probably use obviously some, some bigger names in there. Um, maybe some guys from the free agent market. You know, I look at safety, uh, you know, there's guys like Jesse Bates. I mean, that guy is, is for the Bengals. I mean, he's probably gonna get franchise tag, but he's so dang good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's other guys like, like, uh, you know, um, the Patriots, Devin McCourty, you know, he's obviously a very good safety. He's a little older. It is kind of one of those things where if you're taking a big swing at safety, you might as well just sign Tyron Matthew. Right. But, um, I don't know. What are your takes on the defensive backs, any cornerbacks or safeties, in the free agent class that you're, uh, you know, you're looking at particularly. I, I still think and hope again that pass rush is the focus of this off season, right? And that with with a good pass rush, you can you can maybe get it by a little cheaper in the secondary, but they do seem to need that one staple in the in the corner in the safety position that Tyron Matthew role again. If Matthew leaves and and we said for our assumptions we were going to assume that he's going to get a get paid more elsewhere, if Matthew leaves. You're going to have to invest in safety. Um, Jesse Bates would be amazing. The guy's like 24 years old and, and one of the top safeties in the league. He's not going to hit the market. Right. Um, there's another guy out of New Orleans that that is, is on the same way uh, that's going to be one of the top guys on the market. I think he's 26. So yeah, Marcus some, Williams. Yeah. There's some big-name safeties out there uh, that you could see them going big on. At corner, I tend to think that they're probably still going to look for somebody in the – in the bargain bin, it may not be as cheap as they've gone before, but there's a number of guys. I'm going to list off a few here that are young, maybe limited, 
maybe haven't panned out 100%, but are still good players that you think that you could work with them. You can bring them in, you can mold them to what you want them to be, and you can cover them up with a great pass rush. I'm talking about Kevin King, Mackenzie Alexander, Isaiah Oliver, uh, or a guy you mentioned, Rasul Douglas. I think these are a, a, there's a whole tier of young corners that have some ability that you can work with and you can find one that's a good fit and that you don't have to overpay for. Yeah, I like that. No, I, I think uh, a guy like Isaiah Oliver was a fit for Kansas City when he was coming out in the draft. Rasul Douglas, man, he made some plays for Green Bay last year. He's only 26 years old, um, you know, kind of a forgotten guy. He was originally in Philadelphia. So that's an interesting name, too. And you mentioned, you know, veterans and other uh, or sorry, free uh, young guys, you know, another safety option that's kind of younger, maybe a forgotten guy similar to Rasul Douglas, Malik Hooker at safety. Um, you know, he was originally with the Colts. He played elsewhere last year, but he was a really exciting first round pick at some point, you know, made made plays in the NFL. And I think injury has just really derailed his career would be an interesting name. But, you know, you mentioned young guys. I'm going to talk some veterans that I think maybe make sense, um, because I do think there's a chance that, you know, the Chiefs just bring in some veteran pieces in the secondary and then maybe stock up in the draft on safeties and corners um, to kind of get another wave of, of young corners and safeties coming in. And one veteran safety that I'm particularly uh, in favor of maybe looking at for maybe just a cheap one-year deal is Denver's Kareem Jackson. I know he's like 34 years old, but he's still a really good safety in this league. And, and part of the reason why Denver's defense has been so dang good, can be a versatile guy, can play in the box more, uh, you know, kind of be that Tyron Matthew type where he's all over the place. And I don't think he'd cost much to bring in. So, But other cornerback options too. I think guys like – we saw Casey Hayward kind of, you know, uh, play – pretty well for the Raiders last year. I think he's an option uh, as a free agent. Chris Harris Jr., the KU Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I mean, come on, you might want to come back here. And then Kyle Fuller as well, you know, uh, and, and been, been in Chicago, been in Denver last year. And he's just, a, you know, in his 30s where he might not demand as much. So I do think there's options where we've seen Veach in the past just go one-year deals or short-team deals on short-term deals on veterans at cornerback, but also safety too, where a guy like Kareem Jackson could make sense. So I, I could see him going that route. Yeah, some names there. Uh, another safety prospect that I think is interesting, uh, Jabril Peppers. You know, he's a guy that is – he's physical. He's an athletic freak, right? But uh, he maybe is sort of a tweener, and the, the NFL doesn't always know what to do with guys like that. Man, to me, if you, if you get a guy like Jabril Peppers cheap enough and you plug him into that Daniel Sorensen role, you've really got something there, and, and he would be a, a really fun player to watch as a chess piece. But can you get him cheap enough, Ron? Yeah, Spotrack has him as a thirteen million dollar a deal a year guy, which I don't know. I mean, that sounds pretty high for him. He's been, I know the Giants' defense started utilizing him a lot more than he was in Cleveland, but that might be, uh, you know, that might be kind of tough to get him. Um, you know, not super cheap, but he, it's. I think I feel like it'll be cheaper than thirteen million. So who knows? That might be yeah. the big swing, right? It could be. I mean, you don't want a guy like that uh, as. Do you want him to replace Tyron Matthew? Is, is Are you comfortable if they make that move and they say this is our big swing at safety? I mean, I'm looking at him as that third safety role, but right. I'm not paying $13 million for a third safety. Yeah. So if you got him on a cheap enough deal, third safety would be awesome. But do you want to build around him? Can he can he lead your defense? It'd be one of those things where, yeah, you may pay him to second safety money or starter safety money, but then maybe in the back of your head you're thinking, all right, we're going to draft a safety high we already talked about Veach doesn't like to put those holes on the draft, but maybe you kind of settle for, Hey, if the peppers does have to be our second safety, he can be, 
But I, I think they could draft maybe a young guy to make him maybe more of a starting safety type and Prepper's more of the role guy. And who knows about Thornhill, but um, yeah, we'll see, man. Um, but other defensive yeah. position too, you, we talked, when we were prepping for the show, I really liked an interesting name you threw out there for potentially a linebacker, right? We have two linebackers that we like, but there's more than just two linebackers that play in Spag's system, uh, Stags. Yeah, so the assumption again is we're moving on from Anthony Hitchens. So you've got Willie Gay Jr. and you've got um, my guy Adam Mizzou that you're building around. All of a sudden, you've got a young core of linebackers. I, I had to get a Mizzou quote in there. It's just, I heard you say rock chalk a little bit earlier, and that was upsetting <laughs> to to me and half of our fans out there. Um, but anyway, you've got the youth at, at, at linebacker that you're building around going forward. We're assuming and hoping that they're moving on from Ben Neiman. And so, yeah, you've got a hole there. Um, I really, since the day of the, the draft, uh, since before the draft, this guy came out, uh, Dante Hightower is a type of linebacker that, that I've always wanted to see in Kansas City because he's, a, he's an incredible run stopper. He's a big guy at linebacker, but he's athletic. But he also has some edge ability. I think when he came out in the draft, there was some debate, like, is this guy an edge or an off-the-ball linebacker? And you see uh, Hassan Reddick being another example. I really like this idea of having a versatile player at linebacker uh, that can also rush the, rush the passer because you don't want these any more super one-dimensional guys. And you've had enough of those in the past. Uh, but I, I really think that uh, a guy – that can get after the passer, that can also stuff the run. He's a veteran leader. He's been in New England his entire career. Maybe he finally uh, moves on. Uh, I'd be really interested to see what he commands on the open market and if there's a spot for Adante Hightower here as a role player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, New England connection. Brandon Daly, uh, who was formerly the Chiefs defensive line coach, is now the Chiefs, Chiefs linebackers coach. He was obviously the P Patriots defensive line coach in New England for a while. Yeah, Dante Hightower, you mentioned the edge kind of, you know, that the edge linebacker kind of debate at first. Obviously, in the in the league, he's been able to do, you know, he, he's an off-ball linebacker, obviously, but he's been able to have, he has the mass and kind of the weight to play close to the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly where they kind of need him uh, in, in this defense, right? He'd be more that Sam linebacker. And, you know, I don't know what his demand is, right, on the open market. Um, there wasn't a projected contract from Track. He's 32 years old, you know, I, you know Patriots kind of understand when to get rid of guys, but this might just be a time where they're just ready to, you know, it's not nothing against him. It might just be time to kind of go to a new era of defense. And I don't know. I, I, I love the thought of that. And if, if he's not a big deal, if he's not one of the top paid linebackers, which I don't think he will be, there's some other young linebackers. We're not going to obviously talk about cause we don't need necessarily that, but um, as a one year cheap deal, maybe for a guy trying to win more rings as a, you know, obviously he's won a lot in his career. I love that option, man. I think that could really that could be like a Melvin Ingram type of, you know, steal kind of uh, uh, pickup for the for the Chiefs. Well, tell you what, it, while we're talking about steals, there's some street free agents out there. So, and, and when I say street free agents, I think you know what I mean. They're, we're talking about guys that are not on an NFL roster currently, which means you don't have to wait for free agency. You can sign any of these players right now. They're available. Yeah, they're most of them are available for a reason, but. Are there any names that intrigue you that are already available that the Chiefs could start signing today if they wanted to? Yeah, it's an interesting thing, right? I mean, these these players don't have to wait till March 14th. They could be negotiating right now. And and the biggest one to me, just because there is kind of a connection with Spagnolo um, because of the short time he was in the New York that second stint. But Olivier Vernon, the edge rusher, 
played for New York, then went to Cleveland. And if you remember, in the, I think it was that playoff game before they played us last season, he tore his ACL, didn't play at all in the 2021 season. But obviously, you know, it's a year away from that. He's a little bit older of a guy, so you're not you're not signing any, you know, you're not signing him with the thought of he's a he's a starter or anything, maybe even close, but maybe just an Okafor level role where he's quality depth. He's a he's he's a guy that's put up numbers in this league before, obviously. Um, and and like I said, knows Spagnola a little bit. So, you know, yeah, maybe Olivier Vernon's a guy. Um, but you know, other names and and I'll curious to see if you're interested in the other names, like Malcolm Butler, the cornerback, uh recently most played with uh the Cardinals, also the Titans, Patriots, Kawan Short, Geno Atkins, Stags. Is there any anything interesting you from there? You know, maybe Short is a guy that you could bring in if they let Naughty walk, and they've got it. It's a, just give you another option on that defensive line. Not somebody that's going to be a front line player for you, but he could probably eat up some snaps, uh, help help your run defense at times. You know, he he's a player that again at this point in his career probably not going to be super dynamic, uh, but he's had some juice in the past and. He's a big enough guy. I think that you could, you could put him in that defensive line rotation, and and uh, he, he might be at least some some good depth for you. Uh, Gino Atkins maybe as well. I I don't know what he's got left, but uh, right. It seems like the Chiefs always take a couple swings at these uh, at these street free agents. They they already took one, uh, and they already re- had to release him uh, when he got arrested at Damon Arnett. <laughs> uh, so there's you know they they always do some of those uh lottery ticket type uh type swings and free agency so we'll see if they do any of that tell you what i'm gonna give you your lottery ticket ron though uh we talked about all these different positions uh those are the positions we'd want to focus on edge wide receiver uh maybe linebacker definitely cornerback and safety some combination thereof maybe some offensive line depth outside of those positions i'm going to give you I uh, give you one name that you can add as a free agent that you just think would be fun to see. Uh, who you got as your wild card free agent pick? Well, it, you know it is wild card because this guy is technically a receiver. I mean, if if you want to go by conventional logic, but uh, Cordero Patterson, man, I mean, I don't know what his market is. I feel like team, one team is going to probably throw him a little more money than and probably I'd be willing to sign him for. But uh, you know. If this offense is going to be an offensive juggernaut, why not just have this? He's kind of what McColl would do, I guess, in terms of kind of the gadgety stuff. But he's a bigger guy, right? And he can actually just play running back, which is is pretty crazy. But especially in the spread out offense, the Chiefs do having a guy like Patterson, where you know if, if it's a light box, in some you know, and hey, you you have to force the defense to consider him either a running back or a receiver. If the defense considers him a receiver. Obviously, him playing running back, that's going to spread it out because the personnel is going to match them playing with five receivers or whatever. If he's a running back, then obviously you can use him as a receiver, the defensive personnel, all that kind of stuff. It'll just be fun. It'd just be fun to have him. He's definitely the definition of a wild card kind of fun pick to think about here. Uh, what do you got? He's always been a wild card in this league, and I, I think he's somebody that the league struggled to, to find a role for, but he's an elite, elite kick returner and punt returner. Uh, yeah. One of the best in the NFL, probably, you know, probably is up there on the all-time rankings uh, for kick returner, punt returner. And I think he found a role in the offense this year that he hadn't had before, and it was when they made him a running back. And so I think if you bring him in, he's a running back and a kick returner and a potential home run hitter, and you continue to add at the wide receiver position, he would be a lot of fun. I would also consider some other speedy running back options. Uh, I'll just throw out there like uh, Matt Breida, uh, Philip Lindsay. Those are guys who, especially if they don't bring back Jarek McKinnon, uh, those guys you could slot right in there 
as a speedy running back, somebody who get involved in the passing game, they can make some plays for you. Because I think you brought up the light boxes. I think it's really important for this team to not only be able to run when they have to or when the defense dares them to, but also to not just churn out three and four yards at a time, but to have a guy that can break one. That threat, that explosive threat at running back is really, really important to him. I don't see uh, any reason why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not going to be closer to a featured back next year. There may still be a committee, but I, I think Clyde has got a, still has a ton of upside. We heard a lot in this offseason about what he's been through and how he just you know has had some struggles in his career that he's been working through. But I still think he's the guy going forward. But if it's not Clyde handling the ball as a running back, whoever that next guy is, I want him to be a home run hitter. And whether that's Cordero, Brita, Lindsey, or somebody else, I, I, I think – that would be a, a fun addition to this offense, even though it's not the biggest need. Yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, those names, I like the names you mentioned. Um, but then maybe if it's not one of those names, you just find a running back later in the draft. I know you agree with me here, but yeah. fi- fi- find a running back that literally maybe isn't good at anything else, but you know he can hit a home run and, and read a hole and, and and explode through it. And maybe you kind of find it out that way. I mean, there's guys like that. Um, Absolutely. So, but – but one, but you have one other guy that I really like that we talk about Veach for, taking uh, chances of former first round picks. I mean, here's here's kind of a unique way to think about that, right, Stack? Yeah. So if we're doing wild cards here, I, I'm also adding to the offense because I think it's fun because the Chiefs have a lot going for them on offense, uh, but they they stalled out at times this year, right? They there were some things that when they got one dimensional or they got sort of in their predictable range that all of a sudden uh, teams knew exactly how to defend them. So I think they've got to reinvent themselves to some extent on offense, even if it's not a big player personnel transition or a turnover, at least throw in some packages and some uh, some some stuff that the other teams haven't seen before. And and maybe that still is this this uh, search for another tight end uh, that, that could be on the field at the same time as Kelsey uh, and cause some problems to, to defenses uh, that they have to account for Blake Bell has been fine. He's a good blocker. You know, he's ran a few quarterback sneaks that worked and, and one option that didn't work. But if he doesn't come back, I think you could add another tight end. So uh, I'm going to throw out there as a wild card. How about O.J. Howard? Uh, he's a guy that came into the league with a lot of hype, uh, has been has struggled to stay healthy and then find a role and then just got replaced by multiple guys. Uh, O.J. Howard on the free market or a couple other guys uh, – uh, we throw out some other tight end names, but another tight end that defenses have to account for that can do a lot of different things might be might be a fun addition to this offense. Yeah, no, I've always liked OJ Howard. There's a reason he went in the first round because at Alabama he showed he could block really well and and was a, a legitimate receiver. So, you know, it, we we I tight end is one position I keep not thinking about because. You kind of just hope that, you know, Noah Gray develops maybe and, and you kind of just think, hey, they can just get by with the Blake Bell or another guy. But at the same time, man, that might be like you just mentioned, it might be the way to kind of innovate the offense just a little bit. Maybe is just to get a new tight end at tight end, too. Yeah, if it's not O.J. Howard, there's a few others. Uh, there's Max Williams, David and Joku. There's a handful of, of tight ends that are going to be on the market that were highly touted coming out. And again, you, you talk about Brett Veach, and that's one thing that he likes to look at is, is players that. He liked in the draft that maybe haven't found the right fit. They haven't found the right role. And maybe they a fresh start here in Kansas City could make a make a difference for him. So we'll see if they take any swings at tight end, but it'd, it'd be fun to see them see do that. Uh, real quick, are there any positions that you just would want to skip in free agency entirely? Uh, 
is there anything that you would just say, forget free agency, grab one late in the draft and, and uh, you know, roll from there? You know, I, you know, edge is, is one thing, right? But I do think interior defensive line is a position that, you know, if, I, I think we will see maybe, you know, like a Derek Noddy come back or something. But, uh, you know, even if they need bodies, which they, they, they do on the defensive line no matter what, I do think this defensive tackle free agency class just isn't f- right for them. There's there's older veteran guys that I just, you know, I'd rather just get a, a younger body. You know, old, old defensive tackles kind of scare me a little bit. Um, and then just, you know, if, 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 if you have other guys like the Sebastian Joseph days in there, um, there's there's other younger guys. But it's like, you know, Larry Ogunjobi is another one. That's who I was thinking of. Um, where the 27, 28, they can demand a lot. No, I, I think we just need to see, you know, if there's a Jaron Reed type of deal out there for a one-year deal, I like that. But besides that, I just stock up on, you know, maybe a you know, third or fourth round guys that fit a specific role and can just be bodies. And you still have Tershawn Wharton and Colin Saunders who have developed, you know, to, into decent players. Yeah, in today's NFL, investing big in a run-stuffing monster at defensive tackle is, is probably not uh, a priority for a team that has other priorities uh, to, to focus on. I'm the same way with uh, – other positions where the Chiefs don't have anybody fullback, uh, Michael Burton's fine. If they re-sign him, great. If not, pick up an undrafted free agent and move on. Uh, we talked about running back, how I think they're, they're pretty interchangeable. Uh, I think they can they can draft one if they if they don't uh, do anything in free agency. Uh, what about offensive line? Is are there is that a position you could see them investing again in free agency, uh, or or do you think it's it's uh, it's done. Well, that could be something where, you know, we talked about the Lucas Niang thing before, you know, even if they can still feel good about Niang, why not draft an offensive tackle, maybe round three, round four, that maybe isn't going to be projected very high because maybe he's not, he's more of a developmental guy. Maybe he will turn into more of a guard, but you take the swing, see if you can develop him. And if, and if he doesn't turn out to be a starter level, you just have good depth that, you know, a guy that can maybe, maybe play a multiple position. So I think that's something where, you know, instead of signing a one-year veteran um, that that may just be a tackle, just so you can feel better about Niang, where Niang's at, yeah, just get some depth in the in the draft and get a little younger. Yeah, we we looked down the list of uh, offensive linemen that are free agents, and there's there's a lot of names that that you know are not household names that we're not going to know much about. Um, definitely don't see them making a big splash at free agency at offensive line. I don't see a reason to go out and and try to find the next Mike Remmers. I think, yeah. You've got a pretty good core of offensive linemen uh, on your roster now. You feel pretty good about their ability to draft and develop. So, yeah, get a backup tackle. If it's not Prince Tega-Wanogo, then then pick up a, a, another similar guy in the mid-rounds of the draft. And and uh, if you need to fill in one of those veterans from free agency, you can always do that now or in the future. Uh, it's one of those positions that there's there's going to be guys on the street probably that can, that can help them if, if they need it. So with all of that said, this is – a pretty comprehensive look at free agency. There is a, a lot of work to be done and a lot of moves that we're going to see coming up in the next couple of weeks in Kansas City. Hopefully we start to see some clarity on what's going to happen with some of these guys on the roster. I think we have a pretty good consensus about what this team needs. Uh, there's a heck of a list of free agents out there. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Expect the Chiefs to be big players, at least at edge and wide receiver, and, and probably uh, in the defensive backfield, uh, even if it's just re-signing their own. Uh, this is going to be an important offseason. It's going to be a fun one. We'll try to be here for you as we go along on the Out of Structure podcast, uh, Arrowhead Pride podcast network, up and down the lineup. You've got shows on the draft, shows on on the news, shows that's going on covering free agency. Uh, we, we've got you covered. Stay tuned. We sure appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and all through the offseason. 
Uh, Ron, thanks for, for being here with your expertise, and, and I'm excited to see what happens over the next few weeks, and uh, looking forward to talking more about the Chiefs. <laughs>